Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Buddy, going on, buddy. <laughs> BGM Radio episode number three seventy four. The Eagles have lost three straight games now to the 49ers, Cowboys, and Seahawks. Ten and four. Mm. Sky is falling. Uh, people are opening up their skulls and feasting on the goo inside. Uh, as uh, Ken Brockman, actually, I guess it wasn't Ken Brockman. It was somebody. Kent Brock, no, Kent Brockman asked if they should feast on the go inside, and the guy said, yes, they should, Kent. Uh, so that's going on in Philadelphia right now. Uh, the Eagles demoted Sean Desai from his defensive coordinator job before the Seahawks game, promoted Matt Patricia, uh, bad vibes all around, heading into the game, and of course, they lose. I'm now back from Seattle. My apologies for the lateness of our podcast episode Actually, tried to record it a little inside baseball. Tried to record it on Thursday. Had some technical difficulties, so now we're recording on Friday. Just going to be one this week. Normally, we split it up between looking back at the previous game, looking forward to the next game. So we'll do all that in this episode. But before we get to all that, Brandon, I need to know how you're doing first of all, and then also, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? Not doing well, Jimmy. I'm frustrated. Frustrated with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, before I get into that, RighteousFilling.com, RighteousFilling Craft Jerky. The holiday season is upon us. It is here, essentially. Still go to RighteousFilling.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Helps support the podcast. And also, same discount code at WildRangerPet.com for 15% off dog treats. Best possible snacks you can get for man and then man's best friend as well. <coughs> That's not their official tagline. I just came up with that. Jimmy, I, it's just when the Eagles. Okay. Thank you. It sounded pretty good. Came up with it, you know, <laughs> on the spot. Jimmy, yeah. when the Eagles lost to the Dallas Cowboys, I came here on BGN Radio and said, I'm underreacting to this loss. I expected them to lose. Not mm-hmm. the end of the world. I truly believe it didn't have to be. Like, it didn't have to be that that. Those two losses to the 49ers and Cowboys, although admittedly troubling to some extent, for sure, didn't have to set off the panic alarms considering this team was still 10-3 and and had a a nice outlook in front of them in terms of being able to get the one seed and everything. And yet, they reacted to adversity, which I think, as you pointed out in the past, didn't really face in 2022. Like it's right. it's not that adversity befell this team that was the issue because adversity is guaranteed. It's going to happen at some point, and their form of adversity is a lot less worse than a lot of other teams' form of adversity too. To be clear, but like it's not that they faced adversity. That's not the problem. How they responded to it is the problem, and just it's it was crazy to me, you know, to see that on Sunday morning that it was just and also just the way it came about, right. 
because that's what people talk about a lot too it's not no one is being like sean desai was amazing and you had to keep him as defensive coordinator no one's saying that no one is arguing that however the process to change him out of the defensive coordinator position which i do think is a little crazy from a standpoint of if you like this guy in the offseason enough to make him your defensive coordinator i just feel like maybe you should just see it through it wasn't like the, the defense was horrible each and every single week consistently throughout the season obviously they were in a tough stretch but you know there were some good game plans mixed in this season obviously there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about necessarily so whatever but like if you're gonna make matt patricia the defensive coordinator why don't you like say it with your chest why don't you be like hey we we're making a change we believe in yeah. this the way they did it was like the cat and mouse like behind the scenes like oh actually matt patricia is the defensive coordinator like whisper down the lane what's the point of that <laughs> yeah they they cited competitive advantage on how that, did that work out? i don't know how, how much, much i buy that uh, as know, Drew Locke right, went 92 exactly. freaking yards on this defense at the end of the game. Wow, the Seahawks <laughs> were so confused. That really aided them so much. And on your point where, you know, nobody nobody's really defending Sean Desai, nor should they, because, he, I mean, the Eagles' defense has been atrocious, really. Um, mostly against the Cowboys and 49ers. They had a rough day in some facets against the Bills as well. There are some good games in there, too. Like, they... Shut out the mm-hmm. Chiefs and the Dolphins in the second half of those games. Cowboys, obviously, too. you know, game. two high-powered offenses with great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Cow- yep, Cowboys as well. So it hasn't all been bad, and there are plenty of personnel issues that are contributing to the, you know, atrocious defensive play, particularly the pass defense. The linebackers stink. They've played with a half dozen different starting slot corners this year. James Bradbury, Darius Slay, very clearly in decline, in my opinion. Um, you know, both of them are aging. The pass rush is under underperformed. So really across the board and maybe the across the board issues kind of point to the defensive coordinator and maybe he's not putting them in the best position to succeed. But I mean, it's not the same defensive talent that they had a year ago, uh, in my opinion. And by all means, like if you want to demote Sean Desai and replace him with somebody fine. But I can't believe like how people have just accepted this move instantaneously like you had checked texted me uh somebody put out a uh, a poll on whether they approve of the demotion of sean desai and the promotion of matt patricia i think it was john clark maybe is that right and um like it was like what was it like it was close to 80 percent were in favor of that move which like i recall back in march who like when the new england's patriots beat writer I forget her name, but she had put out that the Eagles were sniffing around adding Patricia to their coaching staff. She felt that it was probably to uh, coach linebackers. I think at that time they hadn't hired a linebackers coach. So, um, you know, she put that out and all the responses from Eagles fans were like, throw up emoji, FML, kill me now, all that kind of stuff. And now like, you know, all it took was like a bad defensive coordinator to go, yes, I a bad different defensive coordinator to go, yes, I want Matt mm. Patricia instead, which is just mind blowing to me. So I don't know. We'll see how the rest of the season goes as far as their defense. Um, and, and I thought like some of the changes that that they made uh, in the game against the Seahawks, you noted, you know, they gave up the, the long 92 yard drive. 
that lost them the game. I thought there were some positives earlier in the game. Like they mm-hmm. didn't get torn apart by DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba for the better part of that game. If the Eagles score a touchdown offensively at the end yeah. of the game, just put it away, then you know the, the storyline to this game is totally different. But ultimately, they did give up that long drive at the end of the game and looked a lot like you know the defenses looked, uh, their past defenses looked throughout the whole season. So the Eagles are just a mess right now. And as you said, mm-hmm. you know the vibes just heading into that Monday night game with not all, not only just the the change at defensive coordinator, but you find out on Sunday that Jalen Hurts is really sick and they downgraded him to questionable. Um, you just uh, so many things heading into this game that just, it screamed loss when when the, when when we headed into the game. And they got the early lead, and it was like, okay, well, maybe they'll be fine. And they controlled they the game, most of the game, like in terms of you look at the win probability mm-hmm. graphic, and it's like heavily in their favor the entire game until basically and at then, the end there. And even despite that touchdown, <laughs> still had a chance to at least get it to overtime, which we can get into it's insane the end of the game yeah. strategy there. But um, yeah, I, I just think this is kind of they're acting like an unserious team. They're pressing the panic. They're pressing the panic button. Ten and three team pressing the panic button. In stark contrast to like the public messaging, like we don't need to change anything. We're fine. And it's just, yeah, it's like, who's in charge here? Who's making this decision? Did Sirianni, like, are really buying that Nick Sirianni made that change all on his own without, you know, any kind of inspiration or nudging or influence from the top? Um, especially when we've seen that before in the case of Doug Peterson, you know, uh, wanting right. Mike Rowe and Preston or um, Carson Walsh back as his offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach respectively. And then a couple of days later, after mm-hmm. he says that publicly, they're fired. Like you can't not question right. you know, who's really in control at this point when it comes to coaching decisions and stuff. So yeah, I mean, again, and it's Matt Patricia, like the vibe, like, and it's just, I can't get over that. It's Matt Patricia. Like, what are we doing here? This guy has been considered like, you know, not a good, coach not i mean he's never at any point as bo wolf has noted been the the coordinator of a top 10 defense in his you know extensive career he's overseen some really bad defenses like with the lions mm-hmm. um you know again he was the head coach not just the defensive coordinator but still it's like this is the guy really like this is the guy just think about it like say it out loud Matt Patricia is saving the season for the Eagles. Like that sounds so ridiculous. So um, I think it's, it's just incredibly frustrating. Um, I, I just can't get over. It. I can't get over. It. I just, it doesn't feel like what a franchise does who is in control and is serious. It just feels very unserious to me. It doesn't mean that the season's over in terms of obviously, okay, they lose that game. They're very fortunate the Cowboys lost to the Bills because that kind of gave them that margin for error in terms of, okay, now you just win your final three games if you're the Eagles and you can still win the division. Um, but, and and look, here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm pretty, you know, feeling not great about this team. At the same time, my point, even after the Cowboys game, was that, like, things can change in the NFL quickly. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about how the Packers are on the rise. Um, you know, talking about uh, like, things can change quickly is my point. So there's still time between now and the end of the regular season. And just because the Eagles beat up on some bad teams, if they do, which again, not a guarantee, can't just give them that benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. the way things have gone recently. But if they do, like 
you know, you'll be feeling obviously a little bit better than you do about them right now. I'm not trying to say season is in the toilet 100%, but obviously things have been trending in a really bad way. And um, it's not just because of the defense, too. Uh, like you said there, I want to point out that to me, this game was on the offense in terms of you, you, how many times in the past have the Eagles had the ball late in the game? They control it. They run out the clock. Never even give the team a chance. They, they've done that this year. Earlier this year, they did that in some games. Yeah, Vikings yeah. And, and Buccaneers. That's like their signature they, they thing. Yeah. And in this game, they just needed one more first down. That's all they needed. One more first down because the Seahawks, terrible timeout management from Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll wanted the Eagles to win this game the way he was coaching. He was like giving them gifts. <laughs> and you couldn't do that. You couldn't put the game away. And at that point, like, I felt like it was a loss for sure. I was like, they're absolutely going to lose this game once the offense couldn't put it away like they should have been able to. 17 points to me. They put up 17 freaking points against a team that was allowing 24 and a half offensive points per game. I think only four teams were allowing more offensive points per game. Like the defense obviously has their issues and certainly didn't show up in the clutch, especially on a drive where they allowed multiple third and 10 conversions. A, a common theme with Sean Desai carrying over to Matt Patricia, but also um, this offense just just not cutting it. I wanted to come back to the adversity thing real quick before we moved on mm-hmm. to talking about the game itself. Um, you know, you mentioned like they faced none of it last year. I mean, I, the closest thing to adversity they faced was when Jalen Hurts got hurt against the Bears, and then you know, they lost two straight games with Gardner Minshew to. Uh, the Cowboys and Saints. I forget what that order that was. Yeah, it was, it was the, the Cowboys, Cowboys and then Saints on Christmas Eve. Oh, because yeah, because the Saints, the Saints game, it looked all, it all looked yeah. really bad, and they rushed Hurts back to make sure that they got the one seed in that final game against the Giants. Okay, so um, anyway, that was about even the in that extent case too, of the adversity they, had they like, faced. They needed one win to get the number one seed with like three games. Like they had so yes, even in their worst adversity, they had like such a huge cushion, right? Right, right. So there's never really any fear yeah. that it was all going to really unravel uh, last year. And Hertz comes back, they win a game, they get into the playoffs, and then they get the easy road to the to the Super Bowl. I like think back to um, Nick Sirianni actually like used a uh, an analogy to handling adversity to a flight attendant on a plane where you know you, you get some turbulence and you're like, oh crap, what's going on? And you look at the flight attendant, and the flight attendant's just casually like <laughs> flipping through a magazine like you know not just or you know just casually getting drinks and, and whatever and talking a big smile on their face oh they're not worried they're on this plane all the time they they know that this tur- turbulence is normal i shouldn't be worried either well they are not yes. projecting that image to the players on the team with the way that they're handling you know this little three games two game slide i guess when they made this change they have not projected that image in any way whatsoever the calm you know, the, sort of the calming influence. And I think that maybe um, we'll, we'll see how that sort of um, um, turns into any kind of, you know, tangible things that we can look at going down the line on how the players respond to the way that the coaching staff has handled, you know, this adversity. But for, for now, that's a little bit of a mystery, but we'll see in time, you know, sort of how they might have been affected by the way that they made these changes. And um, yeah, like you said, the all the vibes were horrible. And, um, the, you know, the, the way that they've handled this adversity, which we haven't seen them have to do, I mean, really questionable to say the least. Uh, 
uh, the aforementioned Bo Wolf had also he, he you know had a really good piece on the I think the defensive coordinator change and I think his first sentence in there was about how Fletcher Cox said something recently on their program like you know the calmer you are the calmer we are kind of like speaking right. to your point yeah. there yeah. so even yeah. the players Fletcher Cox is saying that like so I, I, just, I don't know what the impetus for that is I just think it's it's like a little too soon and it's also like unfair to Sean Desai in a lot of ways which look you're not making your decisions in the best interest of him as you obviously have the franchise mm-hmm. but the defense is always going to bounce back or like get better like they put him in a bad spot because you know it's going to be like oh defensive stats that look bad with Sean Desai and now they're going to instantly look better because they're playing like the Seahawks with Drew Locke. They're playing the Giants twice. They're playing the Cardinals. So they're, the defense is obviously going to get better to some extent, just by pure natural reg- like progression, I guess, to the mean, or like because of the schedules lightening up. So like, mm-hmm. how, are, how are you even truly measuring if this change is super effective? Um, like you're kind of making it like look like it's going to already be effective just by who you're playing. So um, yeah that is another part of it but yeah i wanted to get into the offense too because no adjustments there as people are not satisfied and certainly the offense has underperformed and you yeah. know i've been on brian johnson island all year i still remain there but i mean like if you want to fire him i don't i don't care i'm not saying like you have to but i i just I, i've officially like reached the point i mean i was probably already there let's be honest it's just I'm so sick of offense doesn't do well. Brian Johnson's fault. No, no, it's not just him. It is Nick. It's S- not his offense. First of all, it's Nick Sirianni's yes. offense. Nick Sirianni, and honestly, so before earlier in the season, I was like, people were saying, "Oh, you got to give the play calling to Nick Sirianni," and I was like, "Why?" Because obviously, there is no proof that he's done that in a good capacity. Why do you want to see that? Now I do want to see it just for the sake of everyone can actually blame him where the blame should be probably going yeah. originally anyway, just so that they can stop being just, Oh, just Brian Johnson. It's not as simple as flipping that switch. I think people want it to be, it's like you get a new OC that fixes everything. That's, I don't think that's the case. Here's what, here's what I truly believe in my heart of hearts. I think if you bring back Shane Steichen this off season, which obviously I'm tired of that too, in terms of, Oh, the Eagles really miss Shane Steichen. Maybe they do. Guess what? Who, who cares though? Like you couldn't keep him. The Colts wanted to hire him as their head coach. You can't retain him. So you have to figure out the next best thing. Like you have to figure it out. You can't just be like, oh, we lost Shane Sykin and we can't do anything about it because the Colts wanted to hire him. So now we're just terrible. Now we have no hope. Like it can't be like that to me. I but I think I maintain, even if they had Shane Steichen, I mean, I still think there's offensive issues here that go beyond the offensive coordinator. Again, it being Nick Sirianni's offense and him not having answers at the top. I think you look mm-hmm. at obviously, you know, Jalen Hurts' regression. <clears throat> That's a big issue. That's a big factor. There's a lot of things wrong. I'm not saying Brian Johnson isn't part of the problem. He absolutely is. His offense is underachieving. He's part of that operation. But that's the thing. It's the operation to me. It's not about one person being the problem with everything. And also, when you pay your quarterback $51 million a year, yeah, he like that's not like I've seen some sentiment like Jalen Hurts is a problem with an offense as opposed to like a big problem. He's a big part of the problem. When you pay your quarterback franchise money, he has to be the guy who, um, you know, makes is the difference maker and kind of makes up for deficiencies in other areas. And you don't pay your quarterback 
a quarter of a billion dollars to be hamstrung by your offensive coordinator like that's not how that works you can't be like well we have this awesome player but he simply can't be good if he doesn't have great coaching no like you have to you have to have uh, a player who kind of overcomes that and obviously i don't think hurts has been terrible all year but this was a really bad game for him and yes he was sick we all know that and you know we don't know the full extent didn't seem good and i get that at the end of the day again quarter of a billion dollars you kind of no one's asking him to have a five touchdown game but you can't throw two interceptions including one where the game is on the line and situationally where you didn't need to make that kind of throw and you just needed like a 20 yard throw maybe 15 yard throw just to get in the field goal range to send the game to overtime anyway i threw a lot at you there i want to come back to that in yeah. a second but this this season's starting to remind me a little bit of like the 2020 the 2013 to 2014 season under chip where 2013 chip comes in and the eagles are running this like ridiculous fast-paced offense um they're getting up to the line they're getting plays off within like you know eight nine ten seconds from one play to the next and it, it was a problem for teams around the league like there were some teams that just couldn't handle it and the eagles like kicked ass in many games that you're some, some games they did not of course 20 you know that off season teams had to figure out how to stop what the what chip kelly and the eagles were doing and they came up with plans and they were able to slow them down significantly and the and chip and the eagles were never able to stay ahead of the curve mm -hmm. and i think maybe we're seeing a little bit of that this year now nick sirianni's offense isn't you know as unique as chips was bringing, you know, what he did at Oregon to the NFL. But I think what we, what happened this off season, there's no question that teams around the league were looking closely at what the Eagles are doing a to steal what they were doing well. And B, you know, the teams that have to face them, they know they like, like the prior year, nobody's looking at what the Eagles are doing based on the way that Jalen hurts play. But then you know, Jalen hurts has this MVP caliber season and they have they have uh, uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and this great offensive line and Dallas Goddard and the star quarterback. Now you got to figure out how to stop that team. And I think a lot of teams paid a lot of attention to what they're doing again, a to steal uh, from what they were doing and then B to figure out how to stop them. Whereas they weren't doing that the previous year. So uh, I think that's played a part and the Eagles have not been able to stay ahead of the curve. I do think that there is a downgrade from Shane Steichen to Brian Johnson and maybe sure. Brian Johnson does stink. I don't know, but like there's that there, you know, there's, there's the, the idea that, you know, the Eagles have been the able, unable to stay ahead of the curve. And again, it's Nick Sirianni's offense. Like he's the one running the show here. Mm -hmm. It's his menu. Brian Johnson is just picking items off of it. Um, you don't hear any heat for Kevin Petullo, right. who's the passing game coordinator. You don't hear any kind of heat whatsoever for Jeff Stoutland, who's the run game coordinator. And you never will, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but I think everyone kind of has a hand in this. I agree. And it's not just it's not, and it's easy to point the finger at Brian Johnson also because he's the 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 one uh, you know guy here who is new to the equation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's there's some quote unquote Peter principle here where, you know, guys are moving up into positions where they, they were in like the perfect position that they were in previously. Like he did a great job with, you know, helping Jalen Hurts, be, you know, go from the quarterback he was in 2020 and 2021 to the one he became in 2022. And then, you know, Alex Tanney was, you know, sort of a, um, you know, a, a quarterback assistant. Now he's the main quarterback's coach. Who knows? Like, who knows? you know, sort of where there are failings along the way. But again, like it's, it's such a, 
an easy thing to just say Brian Johnson stays right. Brian. And maybe again, maybe he does, but like I think it's it's weird that everyone else has sort of been left off the hook. I think Nick is starting to feel Good. uh starting to get some of that heat now. Like I think we've seen over the last week or so that that you know a lot of fans are kind of starting to point the finger mm-hmm. his way. And Nick Sirianni even said to her in a press conference, like, blame me for the offense. Don't break, don't bl-. and good for him yeah, for, for you know, taking on taking on, you know, that that responsibility. Um, but but he's also right. Like it's his offense. And if and when it struggles, um, not just because the players aren't playing well, but schematically, it's I, I put more blame on him than Brian Johnson. It's not everyone wants to get mad at play calling. I want to focus on like that word there for a second. It's not just but that's not the only issue with the offense. It's not like play calling. There's there's to me, there's three different things that we can look at here if we're gonna use broad terms. Play design, which Nick Sirianni has a lot to do with ultimately at the like top level. And I think that's a bit of a big issue we've seen with the offense in terms of not being creative enough. There's play calling in terms of the sequencing of those plays that are being designed, which is obviously Brian Johnson uh, is involved with. And Shane Steichen seemed to have a really good feel for that kind of thing. Yeah, but again, exactly. yep. there's still that's different than the play design, the play calling, and then there's play execution. Obviously, that's you know the player's part and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and that's also lacking. So it's not just like one of those three facets is clearly the issue. There's like they're all there's all there's there's plenty of blame to share. There really is. Again, I think it's just like a natural thing, I guess, to want it to be one issue because then if it's as simple as you flip that switch, everything is fixed. I don't think it's that simple. I think there's problems beyond that. And again, I think the problem starts at the top, really, ultimately, with Nick Sirianni. And look, this is the downside of having a head coach who isn't your offensive like mastermind or play caller or whatever. Because then if you have a guy who's good, if Shane Steichen is truly as good as everyone wants to or makes him out to be, well, you, again, you're not going to be able to keep him. It's just not like that's not an option. That's a, I'm so tired of the Steichen stuff in terms of like, oh, we really miss him or pining for him. I mean, you can say that, fine, but like again, you you can't do anything about him leaving. So um, it's just like I'm not really interested in lamenting his loss when the focus should be on like obviously trying to hire a better or you know trying to make a really good hire after he leaves because that's the only thing you can control at that point. Um, it's frustrating. A frustrating spot to be in. Anything else? Let's talk about the two. Yeah, let's talk about the two Jalen Hurts interceptions yes. from that game. The, the, we'll, let's do the last one first. The, the game, the game ender, basically. The, the idea that when they were looking for, they were trying to get a pass interference call. Which for context, are you kidding me? Sirianni said. Go ahead. No, I was adding in that in there because I don't know if uh, everyone necessarily saw that like you're saying that as if oh okay right oh no yeah okay so Nick Sirianni he was asked like Mm -hmm. why didn't you try to get a first down or two um you know try to get like 15 20 yards so they were at what their own 45 yard line I think it was Mm -hmm. with 13 seconds left yeah and you know they get 15 20 yards they put Jake Elliott in a position to hit like a 50 plus yard field goal to send it to overtime as he did earlier this year against Buffalo it, that, in the rain, mm-hmm. no less. And, uh, you know, and in this Seattle game, there was rain, there was no wind. I think they said before the game, it was like two mile an hour winds. Mm-hmm. So it's a kick. He, you know, conceivably could have hit. They chose instead to take one shot down the field and try to draw pass interference on the play, which to me, like 
just mind blowing that that would be the strategy in that situation. That's the better that, that so like, and you're not even going to score on that. So like, I can understand maybe mm-hmm. if you're going, if you're taking a deep shot, like when they took the deep shot during the game, I thought, okay, um, I'm never going to kill aggressiveness, but it really wasn't aggressiveness at all. They were hoping to just throw the bottom on the field and hope that a, the defense messes up in some way and B that the officials bail them out yeah. with a, with a flag that is ins- like you have all these star players on offense. You have the, you know, <laughs> arguably the best offensive line in the league. You got AJ Brown, you got Fonte Smith, you got Dallas Goddard, you got, you know, an MVP candidate from a year ago. And you're hoping that you get a flag to bail you out to go to overtime. Are you kidding me? You don't want your players to make plays. Right. You want the, the, the officials to make a play for you. <laughs> yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? That is insane strategy. And of course it didn't work. It gets picked off and the Eagles lose the game. Now, like, are they going to win that game if they, you know, try to get 15, 20 yards? Who knows? We, we don't know. Like, we don't know if they'll get the 15, 20 yards. There were like, it was a low percentage chance that they were going to win that game anyway. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about like putting yourself in the best position to give your players a chance to win, that ain't it. Like hoping the official throws a flag for you ain't it. And I don't, I don't, I can't recall if like, they're, were there pass interference calls earlier in the game? I feel like not. A ton. I feel like there weren't. There's that one against James Bradbury on a a fourth down. Right. And he clearly did it. Like it was an obvious call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But also that was more like the the hook thing than it was like the balls in the air downfield. And, you know, someone's trying there, you know, refs might let him play a little bit more in the latter situation. So there's that interception, like in, and in the moment I thought, okay, that's a dumb throw by Hertz. Like, but that was where he was supposed to go with the ball. Like kind of no matter what mm-hmm. they were trying. Cause they're again, they were trying to get the pass interference call. So there's that. And then the other interception. So I guess I'm defending Hertz a little bit mm-hmm. here. He had a bad game clearly. Like he, he was, he just was not on in that game. And the, the two picks are, are both bad. The, the, the throw to Quez Watkins, bad throw did not put the ball where it needed to be. But holy crap, man! Can you can you do something, Quez? Can, can you come back and try to make up some kind of play on the ball? He just basically let Julian Love undercut him and, and pick off that. There's no effort from him on that play whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Why are they still not only playing Quez at all mm-hmm. in favor of Alameda Zacchaeus, yeah. but to but to keep going to him? Why? Every time they go his so way, stupid. something terrible happens and he gives you nothing otherwise. So he's not like a good blocker or anything yep. like that. I guess like the idea of him stretching the field, uh, you have to respect it. No, you don't. Teams aren't even respecting it <laughs> anymore. There was a play at one point during the game where he's running uh he's running a clear out mm-hmm. on the outside. And I think they're in I think the Seahawks are in quarters, maybe. And uh the the, the corner who's kind of keeping an eye on is only kind of like half keeping an eye on Quez. I think he's running down the field and he's got eyes on Devontae Smith. Who's running. I think it was an out route, like a deep out route. And he broke on that. Play, actually wound up being a completion to Devontae Smith, but that corner who was covering Quez just didn't care about Quez at all. Cause he got, you want to throw the Quez by all means, go right, go right no, ahead. Yeah, exactly. eyes the whole way on Devontae Smith. So like, the, the idea that Quez is opening up these, uh, you know, these opportunities underneath in the short to intermediate areas, areas of the field is complete and total nonsense. Yeah. Nobody, nobody on defense cares about Quez. He's not opening up shit. Like he's, and he's just uh, completely taking up space on the field. Like get, get like, and whereas a is a case, it's actually giving you yeah. effort as a blocker. He's, he might not be a good blocker, but he's giving you effort. And he's also making plays when they come his way. <laughs> 
You should disrespect. You don't have to respect his speed. You should disrespect the big threat. Like if you're the other team, you should want the ball to go to Quez Watkins because, Absolutely. like you just said, yes. and I've been saying, yeah, bad things happen when the ball goes his way, and bad things for the Eagles. That is good things for the opponents. So, um, yeah, that's ridiculous. That play was a little weird too. I saw, um, you know, Baldy who still has me blocked. Come on, unblock me, Baldy. Come on. <laughs> Uh, I never, I'd never said anything that's worth blocking. Anyway, uh, I would, I would go, I would go ask him to do it, but I don't think he likes me. Yeah. Either, so. <laughs> um, in any case, Baldy had a good breakdown of that play where Quez is looking at AJ Brown, who's on the outside before that play, and AJ doesn't seem to know what's going on. And both of those guys, including Quez, like Quez too, they get off the line a little bit late there. So I wonder if that's not even fully on Jalen as like Quez was delayed getting his route off there and the timing was messed up a little bit. Um, not to let Jalen off the hook completely, but again, just to put even more blame on Quez, it wasn't like, you know, the timing the timing definitely was disrupted there. It didn't look fully right. I still think Jalen can make a better throw there. Um, and obviously Quez can do a better job of fighting back towards the ball. The offensive play calling design, uh, well, more so a play calling thing in that issue, probably could have been better than a deep shot in terms of they were rolling and they didn't really need the shot play there as much. But I will say regarding the shot play stuff um, and Johnny page had, you know, a good breakdown of this on bleeding green as he does every week for the all 22 stuff. It wasn't like that was a design shot play with no one else like running other routes. Like there were other, mm-hmm. he, he said on those plays, it was like a full, you know, you have a full uh, multiple areas of the field are being used. It's not just like solely, uh, the design in that case. So part of that is, you know, the quarterback's decision-making there to go aggressive and, and go deep in that instance. But yeah, I mean, Quez has been pathetic. It's been, well, a- I mean, uh, I think Nick Sirianni made the point, like he had, it's a one-on-one matchup against mm-hmm. a safety, right? Like A speed receiver against safety. Yeah. Like throw it up to him. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine for Jalen Hurts to make that read. Like that's what you're looking for all game. Like that's like a golden opportunity, but that player just stinks. Yeah. You know, like as a quarterback, you can't like, you, there's so much to process on the field where you can't like, you can't look at a player that's, that's got a great matchup and, and, and mentally go, Oh, but he stinks. I can't go. Well, to Jalen Hurts does that do that sometimes when it comes and to like, do, and you're right. He does to his goal. detriment. He does to his detriment. Like they, they missed the big play because he did that. To, what was that? What game is that? It's 49ers game. Yep. Yeah. Um. So like, he does do that, and you can't do that. Like you have to, you have to trust your players to make plays. But that, like, but it's the job of the coaching staff to make sure that guys that stink don't get on the field. I agree for sure. Um, yes, I agree. Uh, last thing I'll say on hurts, I guess uh, it's been an issue all year. I've been harping on it. The time to throw, even going back to training camp. Yeah, like it's just holding on to the ball forever and i think it really showed up too in a crucial spot on that was it third and seven that final drive that they had the penultimate drive that they had the one um before you know they punt uh and then the seahawks go down and score breaks the pocket for no reason like protection's fine breaks the pocket it's the one where you know he rolls right and rolls all the way back left and throws like that's happening. Yeah, too it was often. like the 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 edge rusher on that side got up the field a little bit, and he actually ran around that yeah. guy, if I recall, right? Yeah, but yeah. Just... But he, otherwise, he had a otherwise he had a clean pocket. Uh, yeah, I think it was actually like two point five something mm-hmm. time to throw in this game, so it was his lowest of the year. Mm-hmm. But there were certain specific examples. I agree with you where he yeah. did just leave a clean pocket. Yeah, it's yeah. too much of a trend this year as a whole, holistically. Maybe you know, again, yeah, this game not as bad, and, but like, man, it's just. 
it's just Russia. It's like sometimes you guys aren't going to be wide open. And sometimes the, like windows in the NFL obviously don't stay open for long always in terms of guys being open. So sometimes you have to take advantage of that. You have to get the ball out quick. You can't just like hold it. Then the window closes and then you're running around and then no one's open. So, you know, part of that's on him, uh, especially in a key spot like that. So um, I don't know. Kind of just rambling a lot about what's wrong with this team. And <laughs> One more thing before we go to break, just because it ties into also like just the weird coaching strategies offensively too. Like um, the other sequence when they, on the field goal drive, it was their third drive of the game. Um, they have a third and six and on the TV, on TV, where you watch, what do you, what, what do you watch on TV? Do you watch the regular feed or do you watch the Manning cast? Regular feed. Okay. So the Manning cast, they had, I guess I watched them. I wouldn't, I, I guess I wouldn't watch that either. If, uh, if the Eagles are on, but I do watch that sometimes mm-hmm. for the right, like for other Monday night games. Cause I think the Mannings are good. Uh, but they had Christian McCaffrey on as a guest. And so McCaffrey like called out what the play was going to be on a third and six. And he was right. Okay. So because he called out that play, they, Nick Sirianni got asked about it. I think mm-hmm. EJ asked him like, if the, if the offense is too predictable and I guess he, he defended the predictability of his offense. Like he said, we've never run that play out of that formation. Mm-hmm. Good on Christian McCaffrey for, you know, guessing what that call was going to be, but we've never run that play out of that formation before. So whatever he was defending that it wasn't predictable, but then he went on to say they were trying to get to fourth down. They were trying to get to a fourth and short on third and six. How about just get the, fir- the freaking first down on third and six. Again, I keep I, I hate to keep just going back to this, but you got AJ Brown, you got Devontae Smith, you got Dallas Goddard, you got Jalen Hurts, you got the best offensive line in the NFL. Go just get the first down third and six. You're trying to get to a fourth yeah. and one. Like I think the brotherly shove is obviously like a cheat play, like a cheat code kind of play that is you know, it always works. Right. And you get into fourth and one, and it's funny to watch because you know the other team's fans and, and the other team get mad, like they know that it's just gonna convert. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't you shouldn't aspire to get into fourth and short situations. Get the first down. If you happen well, to be in a fourth and one, then of course run the right. brotherhood. But you like so I'm I'm fine with like if it's third and two and you want to do yes. a, like you want to call a run a run and a shove. But third and six you're, you're like you're calling a run play to try to get into a fourth and short, and they did convert on like so like a, they they had a two yard run with Hertz. It was, a, it was a draw to Hertz. He got two yards, and now fourth and four, and they convert to Julio Jones later in that drive. I you know ironically they have another third and six from the Seahawks eight yard line. I guess after they you know gotten a penalty for uh, the, the the Jason Kelsey false start. Mm-hmm. They they're they're now back at the eight yard line on a third and six, and they run it again. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a zero yard gain to Kenny Gainwell, and they kick the field goal. So the idea that like they're just trying to get the fourth and short situations instead of just aggressively getting the first down with your really really outstanding star players, I just it's just it's like. I, I, my mind is blown. Like, you, you know, yeah, the, the offense had so much swagger and confidence uh-huh. and there's just none of that right now. I totally agree with that part. I think that's the bigger issue. I think people look at that um, answer from Sirianni or whatever, and everyone's focused on the McCaffrey part, which I think is overrated that like he knows yeah, that I agree. play yes. Yes. because it's football. There's only so many plays. And also like, it's not about, 
this, I think people get obsessed. I say this a lot in the podcast. Sorry to go back to it. This obsessed with this idea of like tricking everyone. It's not always about tricking everyone. You're not going to, it's not like this. Oh my gosh, what's that play? It's not like, I feel like that's what people expect. Uh, the reaction should be. It's like, I have no idea what this play could possibly be. I think people who know football have a general idea of what the play is going to be. This isn't even unique. Everyone freaks out when Tony Romo was doing this at the beginning of his broadcasting career. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, he predicted the play. Yeah, I'm sure like a bunch of NFL players could like probably predict that play. And also, he's not always right on those, by the way. It's not even like he's definitely batting a thousand with that. Anyway, I so I think. Oh, I mean, like whenever the Chiefs get into the red zone, like like in, into like goal to go, I go shovel pass. Right. <laughs> and like you know, a third of the time, I'm going to be right. It's not. <laughs> it's not just about. I mean, obviously, there is a part of wanting to be somewhat unpredictable not entirely predictable but honestly i mean i don't think what what made the eagles offense great in 2022 when shane steichen was here and everyone loved it was that they were super unpredictable they're just executing at an extremely high level um so yeah i think that part of it is a little bit overrated but the other part to your point that's been a consistent issue all year especially anecdotally just the way this team loves to play beyond behind i should say not beyond behind the marker or behind the end zone it's like throw the ball into the end zone you don't have to like set it up before that i and if like what you're saying about the brotherly shove well like if you're thinking about it that way okay maybe run a run a design that the catch can be completed right near the marker instead maybe it doesn't have to be beyond the marker you know you'd be close to the marker so the defense is easy because they're going to give you that exactly like they're they're going to give you a four or five yard if you want to set up fourth and one with a pass or something yeah or play right at the marker sure that is yeah that makes sense a little bit more so but yeah there's been too many this sounds so simple i hate this sounds so stupid like it's not like it's such a dumb criticism to say throw beyond the first down marker and i i, I don't know yeah. how that has to be some of that has to be coaching as you're highlighting there some of that i feel like it's been hurts this year um in terms of just so many like situations where it's a little sam bradford ish in terms of just you're throwing behind the short of the sticks hashtag short of the sticks yeah Sad again, but true um it's I, I think it's beyond hurts i think it's you know again it is him and it is the play calling it's just yeah it's so perplexing um, and running in these third and long situations because it's like, oh, they won't expect it. <laughs> like, well, they're not expecting it because it's a bad play. It's a, it's a bad option to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pretty frustrating. Ultimately, again, big picture for this offense to not uh, 17 points against that defense, which is banged up, not a good defense. Like, I just think that is, that is pathetic. Um, not to say the defense can't be blamed. Because again, yeah, they, you know that big drive at the end was terrible, um, and we didn't even mention James Bradbury, who you know, or you did, I guess, in terms of aging. But man, he looks yeah. he looks really bad, and it's unfortunate, I think, because um, you know had a really good year last year and everything, um, <clears throat> but just uh, still you have to score more than 17 points on offense. You have to, you absolutely must. So, you know, obviously that's how I think the the bulk of the blame should go. Okay. Why don't we take a break and then uh, we'll come back and bitch some more about this game. <laughs> All right. We- uh, but before we do wrong crowd beer is where wrong is where you can order from wrong crowd beer located in Westchester PA also stop in it's a bar it's a restaurant very cool place uh, watch a game there have some beers what did you what did you have again the the jalapeno Bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers they're really really good and everything else that came out of the kitchen uh that I've seen has also looked really good they have pizza they have wings good spot 
the Brandon likes the strawberry milkshake beer. My favorite at the moment is the Booster Bob. Booster Bob. It's like a German Pilsner. Delicious. Uh, but order from them, roundcrowdbeer.com. And also, if uh, you're in PA, wherever you buy your beer, ask for it. Say, yo, where's the Wrong Crowd mm-hmm. Beer, dude? And if they have it, great. Order up as much as you can. And if they don't, yo, dude, where's the where's the Wrong Crowd Beer? Is what you should say mm-hmm. to the shopkeep at the local place of your beer purchasing, whatever. Um, wrongcrowdbeer.com. Brandon. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy. I guess it's time to spin it forward and look at the New York Football Giants, who rank 32nd in point differential and 32nd in DVOA. So bad team, I'm going to say. Giants, not a good football team. And the Eagles opened, I don't know if you saw this, as 10 and a half point and a half. home yeah. favorites against the New York Giants. Do you know what that line is up to right now, Jimmy? So when I wrote my picks, it was 12. And then I went back and I looked again and it was over. It was 13 and a 13 half. 13 and a half. Is it 13? It's state of 13 and a half. The Eagles lost three straight <laughs> games and they're 13 and a half point favorites against a team that is three and one in their last four games. Obviously, you know, Giants. No one's actually been buying into that too much, but right. still, it's a little crazy. But they're not the worst team in the league. Like I, I think, like well, you know, a month ago, I thought they were clearly the worst team in the NFL. And there's, you know, as you said, they're last in DVOA, they're last in point differential. Yes. So there is an argument for that. But I think there are teams that are worse. Like the the Panthers, in my opinion, are a worse team. I agree. I think the Chargers right now are probably a worse team. Yep. The Patriots, uh, although the Giants beat them, but it was a close game. I, I think the I think I think the Patriots are better the, than the, the Giants. The Patriots missed that chip shot field goal to beat the Giants. <laughs> yeah, right. I think uh, there was like some scuttlebutt that like Belichick was like, "If you know it's good for you, miss this field goal." Even though Belichick isn't gonna <laughs> yeah. be back next year or whatever. When I looked at the, that was a pretty good Belichick impression. That though. was pretty good. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, I took a look at this team. I haven't lo- I haven't paid that much attention to this team once they started to get really bad. And it was like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about there's they're not gonna be a factor this year, so I'm not even gonna pay attention really. But when I took a, a closer look at them, my big my overall conclusion was that they don't do anything good. <laughs> like there's just there's nothing they can hang their hat on. What's nothing, literally nothing. Like pass offense, no. Run offense, not really. Pass defense, hell no. Uh rush defense. Not at all. I, I I didn't even look at their special teams. But well, their punters hurt. Their kickers. Their kickers hurt. Both of their they have two kickers hurt. They're down well. to their third string option because uh, <laughs> Graham Gano went on IR in November, and then they just put Randy Bullock on IR. So they're down to Cade York. Yeah, I mean, offensively, they have Saquon Barkley, who you know they screwed around with this offseason. Like they purposely like just tried to make him feel bad about the money he was making. Like, okay, like you, you're franchise tagging him, whatever. But they also like went out of their way to, you know, leak stuff that made him seem greedy for wanting more money. Mm-hmm. And just by all accounts, like Saquon Barkley is like a really good guy, really good teammate, universally liked, et cetera, et cetera. And they just kind of went out of their way to piss him off. Ultimately, he showed up to training camp unexpectedly and has been like a really good soul. He's the only like decent player on their team. And yet... Like his, he is not anything close to what he was as a rookie when he had, you know, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I think it was 2018. 
he's just over a thousand. I think he's got a thousand three yards from scrimmage um, this year, but he's all they got. Like they're 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 passing offense. Their receivers, holy crap, man! Like you look back historically at you know who their receiving leaders have been uh, over the years, and it's basically you know twenty nineteen Darius Slayton. 740 yards. 2020, Darius Slayton again, 751. 2021, Kenny Galladay, 521 yards. 2022, again, Darius Slayton, 724. And then Slayton leads them this year again, only has 512. So those numbers look a lot like like the Travis Fogum years mm-hmm. for the Eagles. Like when like Alshon Jeffrey had a terrible year, but still led the team with like 500 yards. But this is over a much longer period of time. This is a half decade now that they've gotten like nothing from their receivers. I was actually curious because um, Darius Slayton has been very clearly their best receiver over the last half decade. So I was actually curious like what percentage of fantasy football leagues he's owned in. You want to take a guess? Uh, 8%. Two percent, two percent. The Giants' very clear best receiver over the last half decade is owned in two percent of. I mean, this isn't a fantasy football podcast, but I just thought that was funny that like their best receiver by a mile uh, is that. And then Darren Waller was kind of getting tons of hype mm. this summer for the way that he was playing in training camp. Like their 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 beats were basically saying that he was unstoppable, and I have no doubt that he was uh, against that terrible Giants yeah. defense. But he's been a major disappointment. They traded a third-round pick for him. He's got 40 catches for 424 yards, one touchdown. So he's kind of been a, a disappointment. Jalen Hyatt is a guy that they drafted in the third round. He's got some speed, has made some plays, but he's got two catches in December. So, you know, he just hasn't been much. Their, their offense just is – its they don't have anything. Like, And Daniel Jones got hurt. So, like, Daniel Jones is um, – his numbers – I guess I don't have them here, but uh, – I know. I think he had two touchdowns and either six or eight, and I think it was six interceptions on the season when he when he went down. He tore his ACL, so he's done for the year. And I think like Tommy Cutlets may have actually done him a little bit of a favor by winning those three games and keeping them out of the reach of like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or you know whatever the top uh, quarterbacks will be in you know the twenty twenty four draft. It'll be interesting to see if. You know, they they take one in the first round. They make a big move up to go get one of those guys or something like that. But the idea, like, the, their, their plan to run it back this year with Daniel Jones obviously was a terrible decision and one I'm sure they'd like to have back. Uh, but, you know, obviously the season went downhill very, very quickly. I mean, from they, they lost 40 to nothing week one to the Cowboys. They got blown out. Of, you know, I think they, well, they beat the Cardinals, I guess, early in the year. And then like, I remember that Seahawks game early in the year. They, the score didn't look horrible. It was like 24 to three, but they got sacked like I think 12 times or something like that in that game. Their offensive, like they, they've actually taken 76 sacks on the season, which they're too shy of the second highest sack total in NFL history. So the 1986 Eagles, they gave up 104 sacks, which is nuts. And then like the next team after that, is the 1987 Cardinals. They gave up 78 with three games to play. The Giants have given up 76. Mm -hmm. So they're going to wind up being second on that list all time by the time this season is over. So just from top to bottom offensively, offensive line, maybe the worst in the NFL. Quarterback, 
torn ACL. Second string quarterback got hurt, and Tyrod Taylor didn't play that well when he was he's healthy now. But they're they're not taking Tommy DeVito out of there. Mm. They're on their third string quarterback. Their only good player, Saquon Barkley, is nothing close to what he was, and their receivers stink. Probably the worst offense in the NFL. I mean, even worse than the Panthers, in my opinion. Uh, this this offense. Uh, yeah, that's all. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty bad. They're bad. the offensive line has always been an issue. Like when we talk about yes. You know, the Eagles owning the Giants for the past whatever, dating back to like 2008 or so. They're they're 24 and six. They're 24 and six in their last 30 games against the Giants. A big common theme in there is that the Eagles have always owned the Giants in the trenches, specifically they're off their terrible offensive line. The Eagles want to invest a lot in the pass rush. That really hasn't been paying off as much recently. seems like the pass rush has been slowed. They're tired, whatever. Seems like it'd be a good spot for them to bounce back here, kind of like a prime, you know, opportunity to get back on the stat sheet and everything, and, and actually show up. Feels like they should be able to do that. Offensive line has been banged up uh, throughout that course of time, but especially uh, right now, might even be an upgrade in some. When it comes to like Evan Neal, not like last week, Jamal Adams missing that game. I think uh, addition by subtraction for the Seahawks. Yes, I would say Evan Neal missing time, addition by subtraction for the Giants in this case here. So, yeah, it feels like the defense, I mean, if this defense is allowing more than what, like, what's what what point total should they not allow more than? Like, what would be pathetic to you? The Eagles? Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, I'd say anything more than like 17. 17. Yeah, I think add. 17 is a good yeah. number. Um, <clears throat> yes, that would be pretty pathetic. Um, <clears throat> defensively, Giants are banged up. Eagles obviously have some injury issues as well. They had, and let's get to that right here, uh, on the Thursday injury report, the first injury report of the week. Uh, in good news, the Eagles had Cam Jurgens fully practicing, so it looks like he will be starting at right guard, right, which mm-hmm. is relevant, especially because the Eagles will not have Landon Dickerson for this game, who had thumb surgery and will miss at least one game. That leaves the mm-hmm. Eagles probably, I'm guessing, with Stuo Peta at left guard to shift him over, right. I'm guessing. Because, you know, if they weren't going to go to Tyler Steen when Jurgens is out recently, why would they put him at left guard where he... I mean, Sue has more reps, too, at left guard. I feel like during his practice time and whatnot, Tyler Steen was repping at right guard as a rookie in training camp and stuff. So um, you're probably not going to have Steen out there. And then Avante Maddox, who it seemed... Remember the reporting early in the year when the Eagles lost him to IR in week two was like, oh, he's done for the season or might be done for the season. Mm-hmm. And now he's suddenly just back in terms of his 21-day practice window was activated. so And he was full. It's not even like they eased him in. He was a full participant. I don't know if you have any sense of that. It seems to me like... He's probably been working out on his own, I guess. I mean, it's a pictorial issue mm-hmm. injury, so um, it's you know it's, it's not like he couldn't do stuff with his legs. And, you know, being a full participant in practice, it's more about... Like, if you have a leg injury yeah. and you come back, you're, you're typically not going to be a full participant right mm-hmm. away, but it's an upper body injury, so... Um, maybe not that surprising that he was a full go. I still now, feel like can he play? Yeah, he might, maybe not. I was going like, to say because you know making tackles and stuff like that. You're not doing that in practice, but you're certainly going to be asked to do that in games. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see if he plays or not. My guess is no. I agree, especially with this Giants' terrible offense. Yeah, but you know, down the line, it does seem like. I mean, he's going to be back. Clearly, he's going to play at mm-hmm. some point, or they wouldn't have. You know, they wouldn't have opened his window. Um, and I think that's like kind of a. His loss was really an underrated, different. They put a half dozen dozen different uh, guys in the slot from 
Bradley Roby, Eli Ricks, Sidney Brown's been in there. Uh, Mario, Mario, remember Mario Goodrich? Mm. <laughs> remember, remember jo- Josiah Scott? Like two guys that aren't even on the team anymore. Uh, guys like that have have filled in. And this, Zach Zach McPherson never made it to the season because he, you know, I forget if it was an, if it was an ACL or an Achilles, whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Uh, he never made it to the season. And opposing offenses have just consistently and successfully targeted the Eagles slot corners with their best receivers. And there've been a lot of really good individual performances from opposing receivers working primarily out of, out of the slot. I think first and foremost, you know, CD lamb with his 11 catch 191 yard performance, Debo Samuel absolutely destroyed them out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously. And there's a lot of other, other examples as well. You know, I don't think that Avante Maddox is necessarily shutting those guys down, but uh, and I don't think when you know when he comes back, he's not going to magically just fix the Eagles' pass defense. But I think he will make a difference because sure. they've just had no stability. I think the slot corner has got to con- communicate with a lot of different other players on the field, from the outside corners to the linebackers to the safeties. So if you if you don't have that guy in there, it does kind of mess up cohesiveness on the back end, and especially when you're playing six different guys in there to try to replace them. You know, not great. And you know, maybe he brings some stability back to the Eagles' defense. I think that's a case for optimism. Um, although I will say. I don't think Maddox looked good back in training camp. That was kind of underreported. Not the best training Mm -hmm. camp. Anyway, not to put a damper on it, but uh, elsewhere, the five players who did not participate in practice, you have Devontae Smith, who I'm guessing he's going to go this week. He's never missed a game. That's a new injury, by the way. So he he was on the injury report a few weeks ago. Week 13 was the last time he was on. And he was fine. Like There's never any doubt that he was going to play, but he took a shot to the knee, Mm -hmm. evidently, uh, I'm told, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Uh, during the Seahawks game, he, he took a shot to the knee, and that that's what that's what held him out. So well, I don't know. I, see, I, I I don't have anything further than that. So I guess we'll see how he progresses. The right, way those but he's literally never missed a game, so I'm going to assume he's playing until we hear otherwise. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Darius Slay probably going to be out again after having surgery on his knee, like a scope or whatever. By the way, Keely Ringo played really well. I agree in that Seahawks now, game. Again, I, I you have to like qualify this with I don't think the Seahawks were like headhunting him in part because they were just going after James Bradbury. I think there's more interest. Yeah. I mean, but that also says something too. Well, I think like, it says more they about James they, they chose not to go after the rookie and but I I also think like he was physical making tackles. I, look, I agree. I'm not trying to like say Keely's bad and I'm high on him and I was almost wanting to tweet out before the game like a little bit of a pre-cope like i wish just be careful with you know jumping on keely too soon he's literally the youngest player on the eagles roster he doesn't turn 27 or sorry he doesn't turn 21 and a half until december 27th like he's extremely young uh, just you know, don't need to be like he sucks he can't, can't even play. buy a beer yeah so <laughs> he can't go to he can't go to wrong crowd beer. well he can he's 21 and a half oh oh my bad okay he, you, no, yeah um but he couldn't buy wrong crowd or he couldn't buy it when he goes drafted him he, this time last he was year, only yeah. yeah he was only 20 when he goes drafted him so like you know yeah hold off on making definitive uh negative assumptions or conclusions on keely but yeah i agree and um th- thought there was some injury he broke up that one pass to dk metcalf too um so yeah i thought mm-hmm. you know he did some some good things so interested to see more of him for sure i'm sure we'll continue to see that rotation with him and eli ricks kind of mixing in there uh but Landon Dickerson will be out. Uh, Darius Slay out. Zach Cunningham still not practicing. That's not good because both him and Nicholas Morrow also are not practicing. 
So that leaves you. So now it's what? It's a Shaq Leonard and, and Ben, ben Van Sumer. Those are the only two off-ball <laughs> linebackers Yikes. on the roster. Yeah. Uh, they, they have Brandon Smith on the practice squad, I guess, if they want to elevate him, which I would assume they're going to do if you're down to just mm-hmm. those two guys. Shaq Leonard, by the way, like cooked. I mean, just clear. I thought you saw that. There's that one tackle. Yeah, there was one place. Sidney Brown uh, missed a tackle, mm-hmm. and Shaq Leonard was right there. Right. I mean, he – so – Sidney Brown actually did a good job on that play. He like slowed him down. Getting to the getting to the football, and he slowed him down enough where the pursuit should have taken care yes. of him. And Shaq Leonard just kind of not he only watched. like took, but he also just kind of watched. He yeah. just watched that play. Yeah. And then after that tackle was broken, oops. And then the the I forget, was it was it Kenneth Walker on that? Or was it uh I think it was. Or was it Charbonnet? And then he and I think so then Walker just shook uh Shaq Leonard mm-hmm. and got a big gain thereafter. Yep. Terrible play by Shaq Leonard. Worse. Worse on that play than that the player who made the missed tackle in Sydney Brown. Agree. And <clears throat> yeah, that's concerning. I mean, it, it seems like they downgraded with Christian Ellis. Like they should like why did they get rid of Christian Ellis? Even if you thought he's worse than Shaq Leonard, you still needed depth there, especially with like Zach Cunningham having been hurt. Uh so great. You, you gotta keep Albert O though. Right. You, you can't you can't cut Albert way Yes. <laughs> or even Rashad Penny, who, or Rashad who Penny. I think should be playing, but still, like they clearly don't like it all. Uh, man, it's again, it's not even just one thing. Again, that's it's not one thing with the Eagles right now. It's not like one flip the switch. Like even even Howie is like there's some, and obviously you can talk about like the Brad Gray contract, the off season stuff, but even the the in season stuff is like a little like not really firing on all cylinders here. So that's the Eagles side of the injury report. The Giants getting back to their defense. They are banged up. Just talking about the active roster to start with, um, the biggest injury for them is Dexter Lawrence, who did not practice mm-hmm. due to a hamstring. He's been dealing with that hamstring injury for like multiple weeks now. I think he, well, he missed the game, and then I think he's kind of been on a pitch count yes. like the last few games. He has been. And, and they're at the point, by the way, they're 5-9, and nine, where you know if they had won last week, the, I think we talked about it in the podcast last mm-hmm. week, where like they had like a two percent chance of making the playoffs. Right. If they had won, it would have bumped up to like five or six or something mm-hmm. like that, and they would still be playing hard. At this point in the season, when they're five and nine, they're not officially eliminated, but they're definitely not making the playoffs. I saw they had like, a zero point six like, chance. Okay, right. So they're they're done. So at some point, the Giants are going to have to, and their Giants are like you know they're all class, and they would never tank or anything like that because they're so classy mm-hmm. and they. They they care about the integrity of the game, but at some point, when their best player on the roster has a hamstring injury, they're probably, you know, they'll probably make the decision. Well, we shouldn't put him out there because, you know, we want him to be a good player for us for a long time, right. and these last three games don't matter. So I, I imagine he won't play, but that's just totally my guess. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Dexter Lawrence, obviously a great player, second team all pro last year, ranked second only behind Aaron Donald in pressures generated among interior defenders this season. So yes, it looks like he could be out. Uh, the sense I was talking to Ed Valentine, you know, our friend from Big Blue View, shout out to John Stolness, you know, who had Ed on for Eye on the Enemy. Uh, and Ed seemed to like indicate the senses that Dexter Lawrence not going to play and that's oh really okay I didn't know that not official but you know he that's that was his sense of things yeah and in addition to that their other uh top four defensive tackles are also injured to some extent so you have Mm -hmm. Rakeem Nunez Rochez um who's like the Giants third defensive tackle in terms of snaps this year 
Um, so he's going to be out. Also, if you factor in, I think they got, I think they targeted him on day one of free agency, that guy, and they paid him a decent amount of money. He's not been got to have Rakeem and then they, and then the other guy who I think was drafted by the Rams. Yes. Ashawn Robinson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it was, was he a first round pick or two? I think it might have been a two. two. Well, whatever. They paid him a decent number. They paid him a decent amount of money mm-hmm. too, because their their run defense was ass right. last year. So they brought these two guys in a free agency, and their run defense Still has bad. continued to be ass. But, uh, <laughs> and of course, they traded Leonard Williams at the deadline to um, to, to the Seahawks. Right, exactly. Uh, so really, yeah. if you consider it that way, they're without three of their original top four defensive tackles. And then right. the remaining one is a Sean Robinson who is limited with a back issue. I'm guessing he's going to play, but still like he's not hundred yeah. percent. And the giants did also going back to the Dexter Lawrence, not playing. And a lot of these guys not playing. They actually signed a defensive tackle off the Falcons practice squad. So that clearly indicates, you know, they're dealing with injuries yeah. at that spot and they're not expecting to have people there. So um, yeah, like you said, so giants not even good to begin with in the interior there in the defensive line. Um, and now they're extremely banged up there. I mean, this seems like a prime run the ball opportunity. Like if, if you can't get the run game going against this defense, which already sucks at stopping the run right. and is banged up incredibly on the interior. I mean, what are we doing here? Well, here are their NFL ranks uh, run defense, rushing yards allowed per game, 29th rushing yards allowed per attempt. It's 4.7. That's 30th. Uh, rushes of 10 plus yards allowed. So explosive runs last in the NFL. They've given up 49 rushes of 10 plus yards, which is an insane number. Uh, Rushing first downs allowed 106. That's 28th in the NFL. And then they've given up 19 rushing touchdowns, which is somehow only 29th. That's a big number too. So the run defense, uh, to sum up here, stinks. And now also some of their best run defenders are out. So if they again, the Eagles, I thought the Eagles actually did a good job running against running against the Seahawks in that game. Like the offense, by the way, we should mention the offensive line was awesome in that game. They did not give up a sack. Yeah, they did not give up a quarterback hit, and they opened up big holes. I thought like DeAndre Swift had some opportunities to break some you know longer runs, mm-hmm. but just couldn't make a guy miss or slipped or whatever it was. And they it, they were still effective running the ball anyway. Jalen Hurts actually, first of all, it's crazy that a big part of the game plan was for him to run mm-hmm. a lot, like a lot of design runs for their super sick quarterback. And it worked. So it was effective. And that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, but it's also super weird that that was part of the game plan to have your really sick quarterback run a lot, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, <laughs> they ran the ball effectively against Seattle. It, it didn't translate into points, but it, I think that's maybe encouraging that they can run it better down the stretch here and possibly into the playoffs, but they have to have a big running game against this just garbage you know, Giants rush defense. Yeah, it's it's time. Also, you have to get that Boston Scott touchdown. By the way, Boston Scott anytime touchdown on DraftKings when I last looked is plus five hundred. So, you know, was oh, that it? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, if you want to throw ten bucks down on that, you could win fifty if he if he gets in the end zone. So it's really, I feel like it's a market inefficiency there. Like, I don't know if it doesn't, it doesn't seem like DraftKings has caught up to that. The fact that like. He's gonna score a touchdown. They always do it. They they always put him in. Well, it's it's funny. Like if you if you're a fan, like you don't know anything about the Eagles and Boston Scott, like you barely know he exists, and you see like plus five hundred, and you go oh, and you look at his stats on the season, and you're like, he's got ten carries this year for like, uh, and I'm just making this up, like forty fifty mm-hmm. yards, no touchdowns. Why is that only? Why is that five hundred plus five hundred? That's that's insane. <laughs> 
I think it's like I think it's bad odds if you look at from from a different perspective. It could be worse. Uh, okay. Uh, All right, Gi- Giants pass defense. Yes. Uh, even maybe even worse than their run defense mm-hmm. because, as you know, uh, Wink Martindale always has a high blitz rate. According to Pro Football Reference, second highest blitz rate in the NFL at forty one point nine percent. Only the Vikings blitz more. Um, actually, the top five, the, I'm sorry, the top six in blitz rate this year, Vikings, Giants, Buccaneers, Steelers, Chiefs, Patriots. So the Eagles have faced five of those teams, <laughs> five of the you know six most blitz-heavy teams in the NFL, so they're nothing new for them. Blitzing for the Giants has not led to sack production. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, has 11, I think, sacks on the season. He's been the only guy that's done anything for them. They have just 24 sacks this season, second fewest in the NFL. Um, They're also down for 97 total missed tackles, which is in the bottom quarter of the league. So they send a ton of pressure, and they don't get home. And then when you complete passes to them, they can't tackle. And uh, and it's just kind of been a mess. Their 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 corners are bad. Like Adoree Jackson is probably their best corner. He's had a really rough year. And then they have the rookie uh, Deontay Banks, who they took in the first round, kind of a height weight speed guy, and was not on, was kind of similar in a lot of ways to Keely Ringo, his his play style, um, and maybe would have been in a better situation where he didn't have to play and start from week one. But on this Giants team he did he's not been great this year so just across the board they they send a lot of pressure they don't get home and then they miss tackles in the back end so run defense can't stop anyone and their pass defense tries to take the you know try, try tries to take the action uh to the quarterback but they just are totally ineffective getting home that's i can't add anything <laughs> again as we said the giants that- as you said 32nd ranked DVOA, 32nd, 32nd point differential, and they do nothing specific very well at all. And their last game was, you know, after they'd won three straight, including like a nice little feisty win there over a Packers team that, you know, we thought was going to make some noise, potentially get into the playoffs. Now it looks like they're falling apart. Um, They lost to the Saints, who... Just, got blown out yeah, kind of blown out. they scored like six it was points 24 six i think was the final but never close yeah so you know not good they had that little run it was cute they also you know they beat the patriots barely you know in that run um who else did they beat um some other bad teams they've been like the panthers the commanders no, who they no, always beat even though we've talked about oh, commanders, even yeah. when the giants are terrible they just they own the commanders for whatever reason. Yes. They that's yes. a team they and obviously they own the commanders more than the Eagles do. Yes, true. It's weird. <laughs> it's a weird um dynamic there. But yeah, so like, you know, that that was one of their wins. Commanders, Patriots, just two bad teams who don't even really seem interested in winning and didn't look like, you know, amazing either beating those teams. It wasn't like they were like rolling those teams. And then mm-hmm. maybe a Packers team that's kind of been in flux. So that's what they've got. <clears throat> okay. And also during that stretch, like a big reason why the Giants were winning, they were like, I think plus twelve or something in turnover difference. Like they were getting a lot of takeaways. The turn the turnover yeah. luck was going very much in their favor, which you know give them some credit for that making plays or whatever. But also, it's clearly not going to like hold up to that extent. Uh, I think that was I think they were plus six in the Giants game, or the Commanders game alone, and that wasn't even like a huge win for them, even though they were like plus six in turnover differential. So yeah, they stink. Okay, anything else on them? 
No, I think that, you know, we and this is not a team that our listeners and readers or whatever don't already know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's a very familiar team. Uh so I think we can uh I think we can move on. Well, before we do, I want to talk to you, Jimmy, about Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, who was voted on wow. uh by God okay. as the number one realtor in wow. the universe. I don't know if you know impressive. That. Yes, it's pretty crazy that you don't know that. But um Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors. Uh, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent your house, you want to contact her at the following phone number. 856-906-9295. You can call or text her at that. That's her cell phone. Boom. Okay, Jimmy. Send us to break. Yes. Uh, back after this. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI... People can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Right to Sell and Craft Jerky, and Wrong Crowd Beer Company, and Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors is also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> Jimmy, our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook are going to have our weekly same game parlay on their page. This week, I have Eagles money line. Seems like a decent bet because the Eagles typically beat the Giants. I have Boston Scott anytime touchdown scorer because that typically okay. happens. And I think the Eagles are committed to the bit enough for that to happen. And I have the New York Giants to lose a fumble. So my thinking there is that I think this defensive line might actually be able to get to Tommy DeVito and yeah. strip sack him at some point. Obviously, do they mm-hmm. recover it or not? That's luck. But I think they'll do it enough to where the ball comes out at some point. And as I just alluded to, also, Giants have been getting like a really nice boost in terms of turnover differential. Might be due to some, some bad luck there. So the odds on that are plus 750. So if you bet $10, you would profit 75 bucks. So if you believe in that, you can do that the, the, with our weekly DraftKings uh, same game parlay. Each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun, or Monday more fun in this case. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www one eight hundred Gambler net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call eight 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 
1-800-522-7847 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hoo Casino and Resort, Kansas licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see sportsbook.trackings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Okay, Jimmy, I have five games here <laughs> yeah. against the spread for us to pick from as they relate to okay. either the Eagles NFC East interest or the playoff picture in the NFC. The Eagles do not control their outcome when it comes to the number two seed anymore. The Lions are able to control that with where... Is that right? As our, our good hmm. friend Denise had... Uh, tweeted out so lions are three point favorite it's kind of a big difference yeah well that's it's three now of course the lions notably play the cowboys so that's kind of you know one of those two teams going to lose probably unless there's a tie yeah. so we'll see how that goes although it's not really about for the eagles the eagles like getting help anymore in terms of the cowboys losing because even if the eagles uh, even if the Cowboys drop a game that isn't the Washington game at the end of the season, which kind of hard to count on the Cowboys losing to the Commanders, right? Of course, uh, yeah, they're done. Yeah, they're 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 thinking about Cabo. Yes, so Commanders. Unless the Cowboys lose that game, you'll pretty much need to win out. Like if the Cowboys lose to the Dolphins and the Eagles drop a game, the tiebreaker is going to go in the Cowboys' favor because the it, it'll either be. The Cowboys having a, a better division record. Obviously, if the Eagles lose to the Giants, yeah, or conference, or yeah. yeah, the Eagles lose to the Cardinals, a conference, the Cowboys have a better conference record. So, basically, again, unless the Eagles, um, or sorry, unless the Cowboys lose to the Commanders, which seems unlikely, then it doesn't really matter a whole lot. So, mm-hmm. anyway, let's get back to the Lions, who are three point favorites against the Vikings. I'm guessing you and I are both taking the Lions. Oh yeah, uh, I don't, I can't understand why this line is only three. Uh, I actually kind of liked the Lions all year because their defense, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, they, they're they the highest blitz rate defense in the NFL, and they really do seem to frustrate some quarterbacks. And I think you can do that a little bit with Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. But you and I have seen Nick Mullins mm-hmm. play in Eagles tra- training camp. Yep. And uh, not good. And he's the starting quarterback for the Vikings right now. And for me, sometimes that's like just, really low level analysis just to look at the quarterback and go that guy stinks i'm picking the other team but that's really all i need in this one Nick mullins is their quarterback give me whoever they're playing i agree that brings us to commanders at jets uh, well just a terrible terrible matchup here i'm actually going to take the jets <laughs> I, I think the, the jets are at home i just don't think the commanders have interest in winning so and i think that de- the jets defense can limit the commander's offense maybe there's some turnovers um zach wilson didn't has not looked awful since returning but um is he even gonna play isn't he still is he have an injury i don't even know uh i don't even know. i'm not keeping up the jets but i don't it doesn't matter the point is i think the commanders are trying to lose and i think the jets are actually kind of trying to win so i will take the jets yeah me too um the jets at least have uh a stellar defense and that's good enough for me to hang my hat on in just an otherwise terrible game it would Agreed. it would be a big deal obviously the eagles care about this game not because the commanders are threatening for the playoffs commanders were officially eliminated but because commanders currently pick four in the 2024 nfl draft order mm-hmm. so it would really be nice if the commanders could win this game and kind of get themselves out of that top five range i think eagles fans should be rooting for that to happen it's Caleb Williams, it's Drake May, and then uh, Jaden Daniels was the Heisman winner 
he's probably going to go around one at some point too. I don't know if he's going to go as high as like, you know, top five, uh, all that'll shake it. Well, you know, we'll have plenty of discussions about that in February, March and April or whatever. But, um, from the commander's perspective, I imagine they're going to go get a quarterback with uh new ownership mm-hmm. and such. I'm sure um, new so. coach, new GM. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to stick with, I don't think they're, I mean, they might keep same hell for sure. Like keep him on the roster because why not? But I don't think he's going to be their guy. <laughs> I think he's in a similar situation or would be in a similar situation if they weren't picking so high as the Eagles were with Hertz after the 2021 season where you go, mm. okay, well, we're not, where the Eagles tried, I mean, certainly to get Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and just didn't. So they kind of stuck with Hertz, but they were okay with maybe sticking with Hertz and having another tryout year for him, which ultimately worked out in their favor. I think the commanders would be fine maybe giving Sam Howell another tryout year. But when they're, when you're picking four, you can probably figure out a way to get, you know, uh, a young quarterback that you can grow with. Uh, where that's how the situation is different with the commanders and the Eagles those two years. The Ravens are at the 49ers big game on Christmas. This is after the, I believe the Eagles play on Christmas day. Yeah. This is the late Monday. This is the late Monday night game on Christmas day. The 49ers, depending on what else happens, there is a, an outcome where they clinch the number one seed as soon as this week. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the most likely outcome, but it is possible. Yeah, it's basically uh, Cowboys, Eagles, Lions yeah. all have to lose and they win. Right. So I don't think that's incredibly likely that all of those things happen, but it is possible. So something to watch out for. And certainly the 49ers, I mean, they're going to get it anyway, pretty much as long as they don't epically collapse down the stretch here, which they ever know. Sh- I think what you're hoping for is just like they, the, the Ravens beat them, mm-hmm. which forces them to have to keep playing. Right starters yes. for the rest of the season instead of them having the benefit of resting starters week 18 and then also having a bye yes and then starting their playoff run in the divisional round against probably some not that very good team. agree so especially because the 49ers get the rams in week 18 so you know in theory you know the rams are they're looking they're, they're, they're competing for a playoff spot certainly mm-hmm. and are looking competent and could give the niners maybe a little bit of a run for their money there so uh, I'm going to take the 49ers here because why would you bet against them at this point? Like, there's no, there's no good reason. The, I think the only team that can beat the 49ers right now is the San Francisco 49ers. I think they can beat themselves, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not. There's, there's no reason to pick against them. I know the Ravens have been good. That's that's fine. That's cute. But the 49ers have been a juggernaut, and then they're in their, in their own tier in the in the top of the NFL. So I'm going to take the 49ers. Brock Purdy took some shots. Cardinals uh, this past weekend, which um, didn't expect to see that, but he looked like, did he like suffer his third concussion of the year? Like unofficial <laughs> concussion this year? I don't know. Uh, and Christian McCaffrey, they were running him late in the game for God knows what reason with a big lead. Just insane the way that for as good as Kyle Shanahan has proven to be this year with his offensive schemes and whatnot, some of the decision-making late in games is just asinine. Uh, so like you said, they can beat themselves and that's one that that's one way they can do it is if they get one of their guys hurt unnecessarily. Uh, but you know, this is one of the best teams in the AFC in the Ravens. Uh, but I'm with you like the, the 49ers are the best team in the NFL right now. And I think there's a big gap between them and whoever you think is number yep. two. And what's this line? I had it at 4.5 when I made minus my five. Still minus five. Oh, so it's even gone up. All right. 
Yeah, I'll leave a five. <laughs> like, I just don't they, – they've blown out uh, a lot of the good teams they face so far this year. The Cowboys, Eagles um, can go right on down the line. So, yeah, I, I trust them to, to just keep, you know, just kind of keep rolling the way that they are right now. When did the Ravens and Jaguars – that was on Sunday. Okay, I was like, is that Monday Night Football? Uh, no, duh, the Eagles played on Monday Night Football. Man, my brain is not really <laughs> sharp right now. Okay. Cowboys at Dolphins. Dolphins are one-point favorites, even though their whole offensive line is banged up. And Tyree Kill's limited. They have a lot of injuries. I'm going to actually yeah. – I know maybe this is a sucker bet because – Dolphins, maybe they're just like a little bit fraudulent and whatnot. Cowboys will bounce back. I just don't want to give the Cowboys the benefit of the doubt on the road. They have not been a very good road team. That's been consistent. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I kind of, you know, I like the Dolphins' outlook. If Tyree Kill is playing, I certainly like the. I mean, he's unstoppable. He's unguardable, basically for the most part. So, I think he could have some um, big plays that hurt the Cowboys. So, maybe the Cowboys are primed to bounce back, and I am a sucker for believing this. But I'm going to take the Dolphins. I'm actually making that my lock of the week because I just think that. Really? I just Lock of the week, huh? I think that they have big-time scoring potential. And I think that, you know, for the, the Cowboys and our team, like the 49ers, although a lesser version of the 49ers, that they're front runners. Like, they need the game script going in their favor. I don't think there's as much of a, of a resilient team. And I think the Dolphins have the ability to kind of throw that haymaker earlier on. And all of a sudden, you know, I don't, I just don't like the Cowboys being able to respond to that, especially when they just haven't really proven it on the road at all. They're a totally different team on the road than they are at home. So I will take the Dolphins. Yeah, there's going to be one, one of these teams is going to have a negative narrative uh, be pushed further about them. Uh, after this game, you mentioned the one about the Cowboys where they're not good on the road. They're three and four on the road. They have a negative point differential on the road. So if they lose another one on the road, they'll be three and five on the road in the playoffs. And if they have the five seed in the playoffs, mm-hmm. guess what? Their final regular season game, week 18, is on the road. Uh, they do have a home game, uh, week 17 against the Lions, but they have a, a road game this week, of course. They had a road game week 15 in Buffalo. So you got road game, road game, home game, road game to finish the regular season. And then wild card round, road game, divisional round, road game, conference championship, road game. It's a lot of road games to get to the Super Bowl. So if they can't win the division, you're probably looking at another disappointing, you know, kind of like fun Cowboys exit out of the playoffs as we get so used to seeing year after year after year. So um, maybe that's something to look forward to. If you're an Eagles fan, I don't know. Like if your team isn't doing so well, you can watch the Cowboys eventually losing the playoffs in some horrible way. Uh, that's probably on the horizon, but um, obviously the Eagles got to take care of business mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, these next three games to make that happen. I have the Cowboys in this game. The other narrative from the other side, the Dolphins, they've played three teams with winning records so far this year. The Eagles, the Chiefs, and Bills. Bills. That's right. Yes. And they've lost all three of those games. And they've lost all three of those games, like, uh, emphatically. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they've scored 44 combined points in those three games. So, not even 20 per game. Actually, significantly less than 20 per game in those in those three games against three uh, you know, teams with winning records. So, again, whatever team loses this game, they're going to have that, that, that narrative furthered. Uh, about them, but I have the Cowboys winning this game because I just think they're a much better team. Um, certainly, the road thing does. I think that's legit. Yeah. 
they've won 15 or whatever it is at home, 15 or whatever it is at in a row yeah. at home. They've proven they can win there on the road though. Right. I don't know, but I, I just think that they're, they're a better football team. than I think the, I think the, the Dolphins have a little bit of a fraud element mm. to them. Um, so yeah, give me the Cowboys and what do I get a point and a half for that, for that, just or is it just a point now? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'll take the Cowboys in a point. Okay. So that brings us to the Eagles game. <laughs> I just think this team is so they're very disappointing and not just because again, that things adversity hit them and they haven't been a perfect team this year, but how they responded to the adversity is very disheartening and very unserious. And so my <clears throat> pick here, which I'm guessing we're both picking the Eagles. It's not about them. It's not about a vote of confidence in the Eagles as much as it is a vote of no confidence in the New York Giants who are just, that's what it's about for me. The Eagles are not a good team right now. Giants are even worse. So I'm going to take the Giants to cover because just simply because I don't think the Eagles deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to, because they haven't done that all year. The, the biggest the Eagles biggest margin of victory this year has been 14 points. They did that against the Buccaneers and they did that against the Dolphins. But how often has it been this year where the Eagles just like won the game easily? Never. They've literally never done that. There's never been a game this year, even with their, their best wins, where it was like truly easy. There was some struggle involved, obviously, in that Bucks game. There was some struggle against that Dolphins. Like it's never just looked easy for them. So why then in week what are we in 16? Am I just going to assume that they're definitely going to do it this time? Like fool me once shame on how's it go? Fool me once shame on me. Fool me once shame on me. No, fool me once shame, shame on, on you. Fool me fool twice. Me shame twice, on strike you. Shame on me. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't give them the benefit of the doubt. They might do it. I think it's possible again, just because of how bad the giants are. And I do expect them to beat the giants, but I just don't think I can reasonably do it and feel good about saying it. So I'm going to take the Eagles to win this game because they always beat the Giants. Uh, I'm going to say they win it like 24 to 13. So the Giants cover and the Eagles win. And it's fine. They don't need necessarily style points. You just just have to win after losing three straight. Just get the win. Do whatever it takes to win. Just win the game. But uh, it does feel like in terms of feeling good about this team's outlook overall, you do need style points in this game and you should be able to get them against this opponent. I have this as a blowout win. Um, not blowout, but uh, their first very comfortable win since week three against the Buccaneers. That was a comfortable win. The the, the road game against the, Bucks. the closest thing to it. Um, but even to win that game, you know, there was some struggle in there. Yeah, but I have this 35 to 16. Eagles, and I think I mean just I went through the the litany of reasons it should that be Cowboys, or that the Giants are awful. It should be. <laughs> I mean, You're right. Again, in every way, that team is horrible. But there's nothing nothing about that nothing about that team where you go, okay, well I like that about them. Not, I mean, it doesn't exist. Tommy DeVito. If they don't, if they don't like put it on this team, yeah. Like if this is like a close win, I think that's a worse outcome than anything that they've done in the last three weeks. You know, like they, I mean, I think the loss that, yeah. is still terrible. The loss is a new but, like low. It's a new low. If you lose to this team at home on Christmas, oh, if they lose to this team, yeah, oh my god, a, like forget it, just pack it's it. It's a in. new low. Yeah, yes, 
Yeah, I mean, you can't lose to this. this team. Is terrible. This team is absolute straight garbage. You got to beat this. If they team lose to this team by, by at least two or three touchdowns, yeah. it's like people aren't, to. aren't even going to want to see a playoff game. Like, like can we like not make <laughs> right. the can we retroact? Can we just like get eliminated? Yeah. Like this, that's just pathetic. You don't even deserve it if you lose to this team, especially at home. It'll be the juiceless, the, the juiciest mm-hmm. parking lot before a playoff game in the history of that stadium. Well, they will. I mean, if they lose this game, then they're not even going to win the division, so they won't even have a home game. But you know, people watching from home, whoever they, yeah. whoever they play in the uh, in the wild card round, whatever team wins the NFC South, it'd be they maybe they you know they probably win that game, I guess. I don't know. But again, again, I don't know either, and who cares at that point? Yeah, sure, because like, you're not going to win in the division round. So uh, I think I'm going to reiterate kind of what I said earlier, maybe a little bit about. You're not these next three games. It's not about like, hey, the Eagles look good. That proves you can beat the 49ers. That's not what it's about. It's about to me, in terms to break it in like a basketball analogy. You know, like when a shooter's going through a slump and the coach talks about they kind of just need to see the ball go through the hoop to kind of like get yeah, their yeah, rhythm yeah. back in. Just like sometimes you just need to make that one shot and they're like, okay, this is what it feels like again. The Eagles need to do that yeah, with. You need to see your score be higher than the other teams. One. Yes, you need, you need to get you need to get <laughs> yeah. get that feel back of like the the sink isn't totally. Or sorry, this is the sink. This the ship isn't totally sinking. Like win, stop the bleeding, stop the because when you lose, when you win, everything's great, everything's perfect. Yeah, all these articles, blah blah blah. This player is the best, but you know, like, for the most part, it hasn't really felt that way for the Eagles this year. But still. Compared to when you lose, everything is yes. under the the magnifying glass, under the microscope. <laughs> right. Nick Sirianni's press conference, any quote that you know he says is going to get torn apart. It's just you know everything <laughs> right. is terrible. Oh, this this is terrible. This player's bad. Like every everything is wrong when the team is losing. So especially when you lose games, multiple games in a row. So the Eagles just need to find a way to win. And yes, it would be good to get some kind of style points. They they like that's. They should have. They should cover the spread. They really should be able to do this against this bad team. I don't care if it's a big number. That's speaking to how bad the Giants are. That the the fact that it shifted from ten and a half to thirteen and a half, I feel like, should make you feel good about the Eagles winning this game because that is especially with the how the Eagles have been struggling because that tells you that this Giants team is terrible. And it's not like the Giants fans are expecting a win. You know, again, I talked to Ed Valentine. He's like, the Eagles are winning this game. He's not sure so much if the Eagles cover because of how bad they look, but he's like, the Giants are not winning this football game. So, and the Giants can't win this game. They can't win it. The Giants cannot win this football game. The Eagles can lose this game, to be clear. I want to make that distinction. The Eagles can beat themselves, kind of like I said earlier. Correct. That is entirely on the table, but there's no way the Giants can come in here and just like outclass the Eagles. That cannot happen. Yeah, right. Just start making plays all over the field. It's not who they are. But the Eagles can mess it up (laughs) and turn the ball over and, you know, penalties and mistakes and they can, and not be aggressive enough. They can give this game away. That is entirely on the table. Um, So as long as they don't do that, they will win this game. They'll advance to 11 and four. They will be in a spot where they just need two more wins against the Cardinals right. and the Giants to win the NFC East for the first time or a repeat as NFC East champions for the first time. That's, by the way, that's kind of a bummer how the season has gone that you could become the first team to repeat as division champions. And it's kind of like, who cares? Or like, it's not even right. like a big accomplishment, <laughs> which it should be because that's incredibly hard yeah. to do, especially when you have fierce competition in the division too. It's not like everyone else is just terrible. Like the Cowboys are right with you there neck and neck. So 
Um, but that's what you need to do. And I think the Eagles, and it's not even that I think they can do it again. I'm not giving them the confidence. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think the Giants are so bad that the Eagles will be less terrible than them. But I mean, go out and prove it. And if you don't, you're going to lo- ruin a lot of people's holiday because it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's the other aspect of this game too, being on Christmas. At least yeah. by at least by that time of Christmas, like Christmas is all about the morning for me. It's fair. You, know, you get as a kid, you get up and you open your presents and all that. You know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas nighttime, where you're having like a dinner or whatever, that that was more for like the adults didn't right. care about that. And even as an adult, I don't care about that really either. But you and I will be. You're you're going to the game, right? I'll be at the game. Yeah, I'll be at the game too. Um, so yeah, little little Jimmy and Brandon Christmas. There you go. Together at the link. Me and you, buddy. That's right. I wonder, yeah, I think this is, no, this is the second Eagles game I've been to on Christmas because they played, uh, and you too, because they played uh, the Raiders on Christmas in 2017, Mm -hmm. that season. So, yeah, it was also on a Monday. So, there you go. That was actually Monday Night Football, I think, though. This is, you know, a 430 game. Right. Uh, Yeah, I like this. uh, I I like, I like this. in a three, this could have been a bad, badly scheduled game. I'm thankful for the way that this un, unfolded, where they're playing at four on Monday. Like if it were a road game, I mean for me it sucks because I'd have to go. Mm-hmm. The road game on Christmas Eve, oh, mm-hmm. awful. Then you're flying, you're flying out on the 23rd. You're flying back on Christmas if you're lucky. <laughs> like it, that would have been a disaster. So I'm thankful they're playing at home first of all on Christmas, and then that it's at least in the after, like late afternoon on Christmas. So thank you, schedule makers, on that one. Not so much thank you for moving the Seattle game mm-hmm. from Sunday to Monday night. Didn't like that so much. Mm-hmm. But this one, thankful for you. Is that your final thought, Jimmy? That is my final thought. <laughs> my final thought is Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Hope everyone has reason to celebrate and has a good time. Um, shout out to my mom. My mom's birthday is on Christmas, so shout out, Mom. Ah. Um, I love you. And uh, so that's a little bit of a bummer for me because I don't get to spend the full day. Of my, but I'm going I'm yeah. to be going home a little bit early this weekend. So at least I'll get to spend time with my mom and my parents. So looking forward. Yeah. What are you doing for Christmas? Um, just hanging out at home, really. Nothing too crazy. Just me, my parents, keeping it small. Okay. Yeah, we're doing in my house this year. I'm going to get my daughter as soon as we hang. As soon as you and I are done this podcast, mm-hmm. heading on up, getting her. And then uh, it'll be me, my daughter. We're having it in my house. Uh, it'll be Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. It'll be my mom, my sister, her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Small, but it'll be good. Yeah. Is, who's that? Is that Butters in the background? Oh, did he just walk in? Yeah. yeah he's Butters the cat. Out. Yeah. Nice. You want to you say something for the podcast, buddy? Jimmy is picking up his cat, Butters. And Butters is being held up to. Oh, doesn't like it. Definitely doesn't like it. Oh no, it's like fighting Jimmy. <laughs> Not a podcast cat. Yeah. Okay. No, he no, he is because he just he said he on Keo he said what he needed to say. Okay. Uh, this has been BGN Radio. <laughs> if he had said nothing, he would have been a bad podcast cat. But he true. said something, so now he could. Yeah. Um, we'll be back with you after. Obviously, the Eagles-Giants game at some point. Again, yeah, sorry for the lack of podcast this week that we kind of just combined into one. Kind of just, I think, between the travel and the holiday 
scheduling is kind of in a short week. It's never easy from the Monday to after a Monday game. But uh, check out our sponsors. We appreciate it. Check out our social media information in the episode description below. Check out the ratings and reviews. Jimmy, there was a rating and review where someone compared me to the annoying donkey from Family Guy. So shout out to that review. Uh, appreciate the feedback. <laughs> um, that was actually I'm, from. Am I familiar with? Is it? Does that that does that donkey go like? This is from Benny Two Bags. Five stars. Family Guy is the title. BLG is like that donkey from the Family Guy clip who loudly he haws and doesn't let anyone else yeah, make okay. points or dare to that, disagree that, with yeah. him. These five stars right here are for Kemsky. Go birds. So. Ooh, all right. There you go. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> Really appreciate that nice feedback. Um, we will be back with you early next week. Um, man, the Eagles mess up this game. That'll be one interesting podcast, but they won't do it. They're going to win. All right. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Love you. PGN. <laughs>